0: that begs the question (laughs) you know what i'm begging for (laughs) me to stop talking roll the open hey let's roll the open good idea (gasps) and And we're we're back back. very good
1: (laughs) you're listening to 43 feet a podcast about leadership we believe that real leading happens out front but that means you're probably building the next 43 feet of good road for those behind you while you're running the race yourself my name is frank schwartz known in the gloom of the early morning as Dark Helmet to my F3 brothers. And I'm joined each week by Dave Redding, or Dredd, one of the co-founders of F3 Nation. We're going to answer your questions, pontificate wildly, teach leadership, and otherwise attempt to help you navigate the next 43 feet.
0: So now we're up to the substantive portion. It's time to get substantive. This is commitment. It is. Which is in the third quadrant. It is. It's part of the lead, right? Right. Indeed. Uh, Which is the practice of virtuous leadership. It is the Q 3.9. If if you happen to be following along in our idiotic numbering system, we certainly hope you are. Now, the statement for commitment is an unwavering loyalty to the group and unflinching, (laughs) unflinching determination to accomplish its mission. Yes. Two. So there's two components there. Unwavering loyalty, Mm -hmm. unflinching determination. uh, And, And two different things. The group, uh, yes. And the mission. We are going to unpack yeah. those. So, thanks for foreshadowing that. No problem. Uh, darkest of all, So of what I'm here for. As always, there's three thought-provoking Socratics, and I will read them in order. First, is there anything a leader must surrender in order to be committed? Second, is there anything a leader must do to demonstrate commitment? Finally, what is more important, loyalty or determination? All right. Let's start with the first spur, which is loyalty requires abandonment of self and as darkest foreshadows for us there are two parts to this unwavering loyalty to the group unwavering loyalty and unflinching determination to accomplish its mission whereas the former this is the loyalty is focused more on the group as an entity um and and less on the on the on the on the members that comprise it the latter Mm -hmm. concerns the purpose yeah right so you know, the first one is, yeah, I'm really loyal to this group. I really care about it, whatever, you know, but what are you doing about it? Right. right. That's the that's right. the second path of it. All right, so loyalty. Let's unpack that. That's a defined term in uh, source, It's a firm and constant support and allegiance manifested through the subordination of one's own well-being to the prosperity of the group. That in itself has a couple terms we would have written down. Subordination means putting yourself second, right? Mm-hmm. Those of you who are in banking or in the legal field recognize the word subordination because we <laughs> enter into subordination agreements. Mm-hmm. Got one sitting on my desk right now to look at. It just means you are going to forestall or or not enforce a particular right you have right. for the benefit of another. Now uh, that can be done for consideration. You receive something from it, or it can be done just because you think it's the right thing to do. That's what the loyalty is. It's gratuitous subordination. Yeah, it's doing it because do it. it's the right thing to do. That's right. It's the right thing to do. All right. Now prosperity, and that's what is good for right. a group. Right. We've talked Advantage. about that before. Exactly. Now uh, throw another legal word at you, but you've heard it a lot. Fiduciary yes fiduciary loyalty is seeing yourself as a fiduciary right that you're charged with a special duty of trust obligates you to safeguard the prosperity of the group in everything you do
1: and we hear that a lot with, uh, like, financial advisors or, right. you know,
0: in the in the, in the financial field right. a lot, right? Irony, uh, not the more Morissette priority, but iron true irony. <laughs> like, like actual irony? Like firehouse burns down. Being the unexpected outcome <laughs> kind, being what it is. Uh, one of the claims in uh, my trial this week that I was defending was breach of fiduciary duty. To establish that first, got to establish a fiduciary duty, and uh, that was the plaintiff's problem in my case is he could not Couldn't do, do it. it. My client did not owe a special duty of trust. In fact, most people in society don't
1: only ones who have elected to take that on yeah, themselves well, or, how there, does that work
0: there's some uh, roles like a, I have a fiduciary duty to my clients right um, doctors have a fiduciary duty to their patients accountants probably sure know. I would think I mean, yeah. the farther away you get away from that the less likely it is to be but those would be kind of what we would call lay down fiduciary duties like it's obvious you don't even have to discuss it other types of, of duties uh, like a bank does not own a fiduciary owe a fiduciary duty to a borrower hmm it, uh, so the president of the bank owes fiduciary duty, perhaps, to his shareholders, but, okay. but not to a borrower. They're in adversarial positions. Although most people don't see it that way, which is what keeps me busy. All right, now <laughs> to be loyal, a man must be obedient, right? To what? Well, he must be willing to submit to a higher authority within the group. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's if he's not willing to be obedient, then um, you know. It doesn't do him much good. He can't be loyal. Well, I would say then he, he turns into one of those guys like we talked about last week. Not right? very much so. Either they're toxic or a or something it's, like that. That's what happens. Sure. You have to be thoroughly, thoroughly mm-hmm. obedient to the governance. Governance being that people who are charged with administrative power of the group right. by voting are fiat. Uh, if I am an American which I am and I want to be loyal then I've got to be loyal to whoever's running the show whether you voted for him or not whether well, I voted for him or not doesn't mean I have to shut my mouth when I hear something I don't like no but I still have to be obedient if I can't be if I can't submit to the governments of a particular group I only have two virtuous choices one is to stay and be a member of the loyal opposition right say I sure right and loyal opposition we should use that word those words a lot we don't anymore because our political process well we gotten, don't believe in that anymore it's gotten corrupted. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I mean, it's this kind of a weird thing, but it, it's it's. I don't understand. You know, I was uh, man, as the, a man the uh, being a man of the right. I did not agree with President Obama's policies. Right, but it was easy for me to understand he was president of the United States, and sure, I was a member of the loyal opposition. I suppose. Okay. Although what I was opposing mostly was his words, because actually, in my opinion, he didn't do much. Fair, right? I mean. So uh, that's one choice the other choice is you must depart yeah F- you know find you a new group find a new place to go man you don't get to stay and uh, oppose not not with words but oppose with actions and mm-hmm. be disobedient disobedient um, because basically you're a thug yeah well you're a toxic you' you're you are yeah, right.
1: actively a, seeking at that point to tear down the the uh, the institution
0: you're a you're a brigand yeah. You're a brigand, right? Um, Now, there's an exception to that, and that is when when the governance exceeds its uh, authority, its legal authority. And then you could argue that you have an opposite obligation, and that is to oppose it uh, with all due force, and that would be American Revolution would be an example of that. Yeah, yeah. if you read the writings of the uh, Founding Fathers, they were, were reluctant. But felt like the the uh, rights of, the, of a freeborn Englishman, which they believed that they had, mm-hmm. were being abrogated by the parliament illegally, and they fought back, and they came, and they fought back. But that, you know, their writings, if you read them, show great conscience and thought through. Mm-hmm. And of course. Yeah, that, it wasn't
1: like, we're, you know, we're tired of doing this, let's just yeah.
0: go. Yeah. Continental Congress. Uh, was a deliberative body that did what I believe Congress should do, unlike our own. They actually de- debated, you know. And, well, they didn't uh, have Twitter then, so yeah, all right. <laughs> they had all forms of Twitter though, right? So, yeah. you know, they actually- <laughs> That's true. They actually, they actually debated, reached consensus, and decided what to do as a deliberative body. And then you stayed as a loyal uh, opposition. That's right. but yeah. well, a little more than a loyal opposition. Now you're a loyal, you're you're not. So in a, lo- in a loyal opposition, yeah, I, so this is kind of a fine, you know, distinction. You know, uh, if you are if you raise an army and try to overthrow the government it's mm-hmm. a little bit more than,
1: <laughs> right? I, mean, I, you, I meant, uh, sorry, <laughs> I meant amongst themselves, right? Yeah, so okay, they, okay. Like, yeah, right. the, the, they might have debated and, and disagreed on exactly how to get there, but they reached some kind of consensus, and then the guys that elected to stay in the Congress stayed. Yes. They might not have agreed, but they
0: went forward with the mission. So let's talk about determination. Let's do it. Because we've talked a bit about loyalty. All right, that's the other half of this idea, which is the unflinching determination to accomplish the group's mission. Loyalty Mm -hmm. on its own, right, without determination may may be virtuous, right, but it's not not committed. Right. I mean, to be loyal but not be committed to doing anything doesn't really avail you (laughs) much. And the example I use of this is uh, of Ulysses S. Grant. In uh, the Civil War, mm-hmm. so uh, he was the fourth commanding general of the U.S. Army during the Civil War. Uh, his media pres- predecessor was Henry Halleck, who was nicknamed "Old Brains," probably wasn't a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Halleck was uh, was was loyal. Mm-hmm. Then there's no evidence that he wasn't, but he wasn't committed. Yeah, I mean, he basically was out to not lose the war. Right, and so by the time uh, U.S. Grant gets appointed as commanding general, the uh, the u.s army um the south has confederacy is more or less stalemated uh in fact you know has taken it into the united states territory uh at gettysburg so they've made it you know that really the the at that time the united states had really not made much headway at least in that part in that front mm-hmm. they had made headway in the mississippi And that's because that's where Grant was. Mm -hmm. So Grant gets gets he gets transferred east because. uh, we making a headway over here. You can see his determination. Anyway, he does what his predecessors all do. He launches a campaign into Virginia into what's called the Wilderness. It's happened you know multiple occasions. You know it's uh, Lee because he's a wily old uh, treasonous devil. Gets to jump on him, comes up behind him, all that stuff. And where in the past um, previous generals had retreated, Grant Northern generals had retreated. Grant did not. Um, He kept on fighting. He um, telegraphed uh, Lincoln a very uh, famous telegraph, very terse statement, which he just said. I propose to fight it out on this line if it takes all summer. And Mm -hmm. he'd lost a lot of men. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the bloodiest battles of the war happened right in that very short time frame. Mm -hmm. Grant had a huge army. Lee had a much smaller army. Lee had uh, better subordinate leaders and knowledge of the terrain. But Grant was... Determined, determined, he, he was determined. <laughs> we ain't leaving. His predecessors, uh, Halleck being one of them, or McClellan, several others, uh, Hooker, you know, mm-hmm. Burnside—they lack the determination. They lack the bold will to action. That and that's what it looks like. I, you know, I've gotten to the point in my life where I can I can see between a man who has or does not have bold will to action. Yeah.
1: What does it look like?
0: Uh, it looks like uh, an uncompromising grit. And piercing, I'm trying to trying to cut the synonyms for <laughs> determination, mm-hmm. no, no. Uh, and commitment, um, um, focus on on f- accomplishing the mission, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, you see this in trials. I see, I see trial attorneys all the time that are competent, but they're not. They're just trying not to lose. Yeah. You know, they're not thinking in terms Big of Big difference winning. between winning and not That's losing. That's right. And the, the more focused you are, the less, the less determined you are. Uh, to accomplish the mission, the more likely it is that you're going to talk more. Mm. That's one giveaway to me. So a guy blow you know, and just Mm -hmm. keeps talking, talking, talking. He's looking to avoid the clash, you know, the adversarial, you know, confrontation. He's hoping it it doesn't happen because he's not committed to it. It's a lack of uh, bold will. And, uh, you know, it's a kind of a surrender to the idea of not losing rather than winning. And in trial and in war, you can't win by just trying not to lose. no. (laughs) You know, <laughs> right. right. Bottom line, of all this is determination requires bold action. Yeah. if you're not if you're not about the business of bold action, you're not determined, and, and you're not committed. You're gonna make it, right? All right. Third spur, mission first. Men always, comma with love. So mission first, men always is something most people who have been yes. in the military or around the military have it heard. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's a very common uh, idea, um, and what it what it is designed to do mission first men always is to provide a leadership resolution to the conundrum of the contradiction between loyalty and determination if I'm loyal to my man mm-hmm. I don't want to keep him alive and unhurt but I'm determined to accomplish a mission well if I accomplish a mission I got to expose men to pain yeah. and death that's determination right but if I'm loyal then I don't want him to be exposed to pain so how do you reconcile that? man first mission or mission first men always right this is what I to me, this is the or what we wrote in the Q source. Actually, is the paradox of commitment. Yeah, right. It's it's that tension between loyalty to the to the, the group and determination to accomplish its mission. It just requires it requires leadership to resolve that, not management.
1: And and so you do your best to design your plan to protect your men as best as possible while still completing the mission right yes? you
0: have to commit them to action so to do your best so here's some things grant did he provided his soldiers with the best equipment and training available mm-hmm. i mean they far outpaced the mm-hmm. confederacy and what they had man training you know training and uh material so they had a lot of that so they could best survive on the battlefield he ensured the plans of the army were carefully drawn out so that mm-hmm. uh they guarantee as little loss as 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 possible not no loss because there's gonna have to be yeah, right that's just the way life is uh, but to maximize the reward with with the, mi- the risk minimized mm-hmm. that's that's battle planning uh, during combat Grant did not you know stay miles and miles away from the battlefield he stayed as close as he could feasibly without putting himself uh, you know in the in position to get killed uh, un- unnecessarily but mm-hmm. he did that cool. so that his uh, decision making could be as rapid as possible so like you know, in a, in the time, you know, in those times, there were telegraphs, but they couldn't get them set up to to talk to the guys in the in yeah, the but, front, right? Yeah, it wasn't like a cell tower. Just, so yeah. they they communicated with messengers. Mm-hmm. So you know, he wanted they, to be as close right. to those guys. So a guy, you know, brigade commander's on the field, he's like, to send this message back to General Grant, ask him what we do. The guy rides back there, sees he can find him, they got to write a message comes back. By the time he comes back, situation's changed. So the farther that line of communication mm-hmm. is, the, the the less likely that the, the decision making will be rapid and effective. So he put himself as close as he could. Right. So those are some things that Grant did. Unlike Halleck, he was willing to uh, commit his men mm-hmm. and have them face uh, death and injury. Um, Halleck wasn't willing to do that, but that was out of a kind of an, a um, misguided notion that keeping them safe was more important than the mission yeah. itself, which yeah. the men didn't even want. Yeah. You know, Grant <coughs> respected him enough to. Uh, uh, try to win the war, and that's right? what's tough,
1: I guess, right? So if the mission is important enough, and the guys are bought in enough on the right. mission, then really you're not doing them any favors by keeping them safe, not because really. you might keep them safe now in the short term, sure. but eventually eh, you're not doing you know okay. it's going to be a problem.
0: You know, it's that old uh, adage which I, I can't cite to who said it now, but it reminded me of it is that if you trade uh, security for freedom, you'll have neither. Yeah no freedom security if yeah. you trade freedom, freedom for security, security yeah. you'll have you'll end up with neither yeah um which is kind of something we're facing right now right yeah my alarm just 43 minutes <gasps> just went on. all right how so about that we're getting, we're we're getting close long, Yeah, we're getting close all right now i'll just use one more little story that applies to this so everybody's like oh it's all about war so about, <laughs> so take vince lombardi right sure. well know, it's war or football you pick but yeah. like vince lombardi um took care of his men Right. Sure. but the mission was to win. Right, sometimes to win, he had to black Tahoe a guy, right? Yeah, and and place him with a better player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he was pretty successful at that. If you get, if you recognize that in the uh, ten years or so that he was coaching the Green Bay Packers, he won seventy five percent of his games. That's a lot of games. Three consecutive NFL championships yeah. pretty pretty amazing yeah. stuff, right? Um, that price to win, right, to sacrifice individual players at a time. Um, that's how he resolved the paradox of the commitment, right? Mm-hmm. So he had a funny little statement, which I'm just going to read uh, verbatim. I wrote down. He said, mm. Vince Lombardi said, I don't necessarily have to like my players and associates, but as their leader, I must love them. Love is loyalty, love is teamwork, love respects the dignity of the individual. That is the strength of any organization. Dignity of the individual, in this case, being you're, you're going to play because you're the best chance we have to win. hmm and he, he may not even like the guy, but he loved him. That's the key is that love part. Without love, without love, the paradox of commitment cannot be resolved. Yeah. You've got to love. I mean, if you don't love him, you know, all the There won't depends. be any movement. There won't be any movement. So yeah. that's, that's the critical. I'm going to summarize what you don't need to do, but I'm going to do it now because we talked for a while. Three spurs uh, of this uh, mm-hmm. cue point are loyalty requires abandonment of self, determination. Requires bold will to action and mission first men always would love. Yeah, um, all those things are are absolutely critical. You know, commitment's a funny thing, uh, dark helmet. Mm-hmm. When You ask me how can you how can you see it? Yeah, in a man. Let's say a man who is committed would say, "My hands are steady. My eyes are clear and bright. My walk has purpose. My steps are quick and light. I hold firmly to what I feel is right." Like a rock
1: <laughs> Is that how that works?
0: You know Franklin? Yes sir <laughs> you got a face radio <laughs> oh, And even after all this time
1: It's still a podcast It is It is My hands were steady My eyes were clear and bright My walk had purpose My steps were quick and light And I held firm To what I felt was right Thanks for listening to 43 Feet, a leadership podcast. If you have questions about leadership, F3, or anything else, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com. Until next time, we'll be here in the unknown, the uncomfortable, the difficult, the 43 feet out front. I stood out of straight, unencumbered by the weight of all
0: these hustlers and their schemes. I stood proud. I stood tall.